Welcome to the Academy Securities Geopolitical and Macro Strategy Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Robinson, and today is March 16th, 2020. I'm joined by our head of macro strategy, Peter Chur, as well as our head of geopolitical strategy, Major General James Spider Marks. Today, we will be discussing the coronavirus, COVID-19. We are going to talk about the government's reaction to help slow the spread of this disease. We'll also discuss the impact on businesses large and small. Peter, could you please share some of your thoughts with us? There are really two issues that I see us facing. One is that we are effectively mobilizing the country for quote-unquote war with the virus. The country is taking steps, moving towards lockdown. All of these things are to prevent the spread of the virus, to slow it down so that healthcare can keep up. We are doing other things such as pulling back on FDA regulations, etc., which are all very good. But a lot of these things are going to have an extreme knock-on effect on the economy. No travel, no restaurants, limited activity. And that is the real issue. That is why this is war. And to a large degree, I believe, and I'll let Spider talk more about this in a moment, is that we have, if we're going to treat it like war, we have to make sure that people in this economy are protected. This is not their fault that this is occurring. It is the right thing to do. It's the right way to fight the virus. But the severe knock-on effects need to be mitigated. They need to be mitigated by Washington, which ties in really to the final point before turning over this to Spider, is that, to me, the financial crisis was much more a top-down problem. So as a bunch of big, large corporations potentially got in trouble, there's a lot of aggressive behavior in the mortgage market, etc. This is very different to me. This is a very much bottoms-up problem. So it is people who were one... Friday sitting there trying to figure out their schedule and when they were going to work, when they were going to pick up their kids, to a Friday later, they're being told, you are not allowed to work. You know, there are various estimates about this, but probably close to half the economy works for small businesses. Again, I think over half the economy now works in the service industry. And finally, there's an estimate that well over half of the people in this country don't have enough savings to make it through a substantial shock. So even one month of income could be problematic. And that is going to hurt the weakest of the individuals, the small companies. And as they have problems, they are only going to be able to default or not make payments. And it's going to effectively trickle up and drag down more and more companies. So it's that bottom-up issue that is part and parcel with this, which ties us back. Everyone who's involved in this fight against the virus, and to a high degree we are now all involved in this fight against the virus, some sort of steps have to be taken. I think Spider's great uh, to get his perspective on this and what he's seeing and what he thinks about things. Peter, thanks very much for, um, for the introduction. I, I need to tell you, you absolutely hit the nail on the head with your comments about national mobilization and our requirements to really get our arms around this challenge. I agree 100% that this is a national mobilization. You know, let's take a step back. It's really not unlike what happened in World War II when the United States, by linking arms and agreeing that there was an international global threat against our way of life and our emerging democracy, created this arsenal of democracy and all elements of society were aligned. Every corner of America was aligned and everybody was all in to solve this problem. All industries, all communities, America's view of the threat was monolithic. I mean, there was no divergence. Our view of the challenge was clear. And there was not a single 
source of an impaired vision in terms of the threat. We as a nation were certain that we could all lean in, and by leaning in, we could all solve this problem together. It became very deeply, deeply personal in every aspect of what we touched during those war years. Well, this is, this is no different. Our president now has the power to invoke the Stafford Act, which is the De- Disaster Relief and Emergency Assistance Act. And by doing that, he unleashes the immense powers, not only of his office, but of the entire federal government. Unemployment assurances can be made, payments can be made. You can unleash these dollars that, are be, that can be made available to states and communities, federal insurance programs, re-employment assistance programs. These very, very inclusive and very broad powers allow the president to really put some, the engine of government at work and to really establish a safety net for the weakest in our society, but for everyone in our society. So I, I think it would be, frankly, it would not be surprising if, if within the next 48 hours, if the president decided to do that. But at the same time, there would be some obligations that we assume. If we're all in, we're all in. And the president might impose, because of the Stafford Act, might impose emergency measures that restrict movement, what are called mitigation as well as emergency operation, and as well as warning powers that would allow him to say, look, everybody, I'm going to start shutting everything down. That encourages the gathering of populations. I'm going to keep open emergency rooms, law enforcement agencies, local police, fire departments, etc. So we can continue to exercise our requirements as a government, but I'm going to restrict movement and I'm going to restrict movement for two weeks. That is the type of national commitment that I would expect to see. Spider, those are great points. I completely agree with you. One question that comes to mind as you discuss this is what will the role of either the military or the National Guard be in this process, if there is a role? And you know, Peter, you're absolutely correct. We would expect the National Guard to be mobilized, the reserves to be mobilized. Look, the active duty is already deeply engaged in the coronavirus mitigation efforts. Every cruise line that was docked, every airplane that landed that had a positive coronavirus patient, those individuals were moved by military aircraft and civilian aircraft in support of military missions to military bases for isolation and quarantine for the two-week period. That's ongoing right now. Our Department of Defense is completely focused on, quote, all enemies, foreign and domestic. This is a domestic challenge, and our military has zero hesitation and all the capabilities in the world to get their arms around this challenge. It's clear to me that when the National Guard is mobilized, and units begin to come together and then spread out into the communities to help solve problems and to facilitate this new normal, there is a sense of concern that routinely pops up in our communities when you see folks in uniform walking down the street. I would ask everybody to just embrace that and realize what the military brings to bear is an ethical focus and deep, 
deep professionalism. Again, let's be frank. We've been at war over the course of the last two decades. This military has never been more disciplined, more focused, more professional, and more independent in terms of its ability to make decisions at the local level than it ever has in, in, my, in my past. I spent 30 plus years in the military, and over those three plus decades, this military that I see today outshines that military that I helped create. It's really phenomenal when you look at what the military can bring to bear. So I would suggest when you see the military in their military vehicles and walking patrols in the streets, passing out meals, providing medical assistance, facilitating the movement as necessary of civilians, understand that this is for our best interest, and I would ask you to embrace that and acknowledge that this is in our best interest, it's helping us, and what the, these soldiers, these airmen are trying to achieve on the street is really to help calm and provide some stability to what otherwise could be an incredibly chaotic situation. That's a great point. I think that's really important to get out there. It's certainly something I had not thought about though I'm not sure we can embrace anyone in this uh, era of social distancing, so we'll have to make our thank yous uh, acknowledged uh, in any case. I, I think that's a great point, though, is this back to every person as a soldier. Ultimately, I think that's how this gets won, is people follow what they're asked to do. At the same time, I do strongly believe that because they're being asked at a national level, the government is really supposed to be far more supportive of people and make sure that we don't lose those paychecks, that we don't lose that income. And I think that has to be done very quickly because I see a scenario where, again, the weakest of the people in our economy, those who are most paycheck to paycheck, may in fact lose their paychecks quickly and have a problem, which I do want to highlight one thing that I think has been very, very impressive so far. And what I've seen is many of the industries that have talked about having to lay people off or shutter stores are paying their people right now. And I think that is a great, great thing for those companies to do. I think that is a super easy solution um, in the near term that it keeps cash flow current. And we can uh, go back in a month or two months once hopefully the virus is under control and figure out what the proper treatment of those companies is. And I think they should be rewarded. Um, but I think... A, it's impressive that companies are doing, and maybe Spider is the first indication, too, that this is really a mobilization, and some of those same efforts where we saw the country really back a war effort are coming around again. You know, when you look back at what we did in World War II and the entire national mobilization that took place, I need to remind everyone that it didn't happen when we went to war in Korea. It did not happen when we went to war in Vietnam. It did not happen as we mobilized our military for the global war on terror. It did happen after 9-11. America came together. It did happen after Hurricane Katrina and Hurricane Rita. America came together. It happens annually when tornadoes devastate local communities. It happens every year when the Mississippi overflows its banks. It happens every year when hurricanes devastate communities. American communities comes, come together, and that's what we see now. So in my experience, we used to say, you know, that every soldier is a citizen, and you have those obligations and rights and freedoms as a citizen, clearly exercising those within the confines of the military. But today what we see 
is every citizen is a soldier and every citizen must accept responsibilities and the attendant pain that's going to follow in order for us to get our arms around this challenge called COVID-19. We can do it. There's no reason why we can't come together and make this work. You know, again, taking a step back, look at World War I, the devastation of World War I. What happened immediately upon armistice is the world was suffering through a pandemic called influenza. We labeled it the Spanish flu. It was not originated in Spain. It originated from all the parties that had been intermingled and fighting in Europe. And then everybody went back home and brought this contagion with them. At the end of World War I, we then saw the world over the course of about a year go through this devastating contagion. And over 30 million people after World War I were killed as a result of this. And in America alone, we lost about a million people. But neighborhoods and communities were embarrassed. They, they had this national shame following this influenza because we sequestered ourselves away. We forgot about our neighbors. We took social distancing, a term that's only in play today, but back then, is we isolated ourselves. We didn't intermingle. We didn't engage. We didn't ask about our neighbors. We took care of ourselves and we let all this other chaos kind of reign around us. We need to make sure we keep our heads up. Of course, we have to be distant from others. Of course, we're going to have to maintain some level of isolation. But I would ask everybody to reach out, check on your neighbors, be a part of a community. Obviously, be wise and confident in your activities, cautious where you need to be but don't completely sequester yourself away at the expense of everybody in your community. We will survive easily coming through this. We just don't know how long this horizon of success really is going to look like, but we will reach it. It will be sooner rather than later. We will emerge much stronger, much more informed, and we'll be able to put this behind us. Let's act like great Americans that we are, and let's get our arms around that. Thanks again, Spider. I think that's where we stand right now, is that we have effectively launched a war on the virus. We are mobilizing our country against it. We are going to need the support of the government to do this properly. There's a lot of reason to be optimistic. I think, again, we've already seen companies doing the right thing um, without even being told or forced to, which is really encouraging. I, for one, am hopeful that having taken some of the restraints off of our medical community that are there typically by the FDA to ensure that no person, you know, that safety is first. Now I think getting to a solution is more important and we'll have that. I think we will be shocked at how effective our medical community is at rising to this situation. I think markets are going to struggle for a little while, but even there, I think we're seeing signs that people are accepting this. And from my perspective, the really next thing to do is figure out what do the cases in Europe look like where I think we understand the data and the region better. So that will be an important tell for us. And we are starting to get in our own information, right? We are starting to see results in the U.S. I expect the number of positive test cases to skyrocket, partly because I think we are way behind in terms of getting tests done. And people didn't even think to get themselves tested because, you know, the flu was much more common here. As we go through that, we'll get our own test results. I do think we are going to get a spike much higher in tests. That will be a bit scary. 
I think what we have to look beyond that is look at who is affected, how are they affected, how many people need hospitalization. There's a lot of data to look for. But if you really step back, a lot of the data across the globe is telling us you get these spikes, they are horrible, they are awful, they slow down. And again, I don't want to sound callous at all, but we've had well over 20,000 deaths this year already related to pneumonia and the flu. And one super positive thing about what we're doing now, this should slow that process down as well. All these simple things like social distancing help that. So I remain optimistic both for the markets and the economy, though on the economy side in particular, we need help from the government in terms of stimulus. Thank you, gentlemen, for your contributions to this conversation. We appreciate our listeners giving us the time. If you'd like to engage with our geopolitical and macro strategy team directly, please email us at info at academysecurities.com. Academy Securities is a service-disabled, veteran-known investment bank with a social mission to mentor, hire, and train military veterans to develop careers in finance. I'm your host, Andrew Robinson, and I look forward to speaking with you again soon.